You're listening to the Be Fox and Be Frank show. Um, bull season is about to start. So that means uh, Army Navy just happened. The Heisman ceremony just happened. Start with the Heisman. Um, Joe Bro won to the surprise of no one. I think basically like you could you could debate a lot of things going back and forth and we have all year mm-hmm. ad nauseum with Ohio State and LSU, but I mean this this was not up for debate at all. He was the best player in the country. Yeah. Pretty much all year. Seventy five percent completion percentage, basically forty eight touchdowns, almost four thousand passing yards. You know, he's still got at least one more game, possibly two against uh, some pretty good teams, but the turnaround, the transformation. If you had told me last year at this time that Joe Burrow would win the Heisman in the largest like landslide vote in the history of the trophy, I would have called you absolutely insane. There's no way on earth that that guy that is struggling at LSU could ever put together, not only that, but that LSU would put together an offense that would allow a quarterback to win a Heisman trophy. Like it, it yeah. didn't seem even remotely possible. Yeah, ju- I mean, just regardless of who it was, um, it, it seemed like LSU just never would be able to, to make that happen. And then with how Burrow kind of struggled to get his footing last year, but this year, as I said before, like he he basically was what LSU fans were acting like Zach Mettenberger was going to be. Mm-hmm. Just electric dominance, a good football player, um, and... Yeah, I mean, a very, very well-deserved award, and now he he gets to celebrate by joining the Bengals, most likely. Um, Going home sucks. Yeah, um, I I will say though, like despite all of that, well-deserved award. Um, but I'm not the biggest fan of what the Heisman has become over the years, um, mm-hmm. and I think. This is this is a little bit of an exception because I, I don't think you can really put any sort of arguments um, against Burrow winning, but the separation we've had between best player turning into like best player best on the best player team. on the best team, yeah. Um, so I mean, even even going as far back as I saw uh, somebody today was was posting about like comparing side by side of. Troy Smith's Heisman winning numbers and speaking of LSU, Jamarcus Russell and how like it was, it was pretty significantly in, in favor of Russell. I didn't fact check and see if they included the bowl games in there. That's very possible that they did because he walloped LSU. But I mean, it, uh, it came to a head for me. I, I mean, selfishly, I wanted Tevin Coleman to get more shine because he had a monster season. Um, and then really the, the Geno Smith's breakout year, the fact that despite all of his numbers, he didn't get any buzz despite being like far and away better than a guy like Colin Klein. Mm-hmm. Very much like not, not a big fan of that. Um, and, and like a guy like Jonathan Taylor, that he has never made it to, to New York is, I mean, the, the most current example of that, I would say. And it, it doesn't help his case that you have a guy like Joe Burrow having an, otherworldly season he wasn't going to win this year anyway but the fact that he's going to finish his career one of the best um, running backs in NCAA history with not even making it to the ceremony is uh, a a little much all these MVP awards or best player awards have quickly maybe with the exception of college basketball to an extent have turned into 
best player on the best team, but it's not even necessarily the best player. It's always just the quarterback of the best team yeah. is all of a sudden like default Heisman winner. And that's yeah. where the problem is because like if you look, this is a bad example, but basically if you look at a team like Clemson, there's an argument to be made that Trevor Lawrence is maybe the third best player on that offense. Maybe. At least at this point. I mean, recently he's been turning it on, but Travis Etienne has been sensational all year and has been really good the past two years. The the receiving core, I mean, pick one of T. Higgins and uh, Justin Ross, and those two are probably up there, if not better than what Lawrence has done this year. Obviously, total moot point because Joe Burrow was by and far better than all of them. But when it comes down to a situation like that, it feels yeah. like by default it goes to the quarterback every time. And the exceptions were made for when Alabama kind of had a stretch of you know running backs because their mm-hmm. quarterbacks were all the same person and right. nothing to write home about. Right. Um, they don't. They don't really give out Heisman's to game managers. So that was that's kind of why they award. they pivoted to like Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry, who in retrospect, if you go back and look at. Derrick Henry's Heisman winning numbers like all right you play for Alabama that's why you're here Mm -hmm. but bigger point I guess is that like Joe Burrow winning the Heisman is great it should not be used in any arguments of like LSU being better than Clemson or or Ohio State's um just based on that because you know it's a it's a team sport so Joe Burrow now has a, a pretty significant target on his back, and I don't think Oklahoma has a good enough defense to do anything about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the real work begins. This is uh, this is part of, of what they wanted. They wanted to establish that they can play offense, and they did, and then some. Um, Brady did a phenomenal game with phenomenal job with the passing game. Um, but you know, now they now they gotta go and get the natty to to tie the season together. Yeah, I mean, it It would be quite a letdown for LSU and LSU fans if they had to only hold on to that Joe Burrow-Heisman and, you know, lose to either Oklahoma or, you know, one of the other two, Ohio State or Clemson, in the title game. That'd be tough because of, you know, all the talk that's been going on now, but um, should be fun. I mean, all four of these teams are capable of winning. That's why they're in the playoff, and uh, they are deserving to be there. So, again, I don't we, we talked about it last week. I don't have any problem with the four teams that are in. It's yeah. just like throw everything out now. It's a whole new season. Yeah, and kind of the, the game last weekend we thought or we, we kind of hoped might include a, a future playoff team in it did not. Um, we were so close. <laughs> we were so close. God. Um, One maybe kind of Kind of back to what uh, what the game was in most of the – you know, mid-aughts and early 2010s, just domination by Navy. Um, Malcolm Perry, as it turns out, is uh, pretty good at football and continued to show that. Ken Niamatololo, for benching him, should have to run like a thousand suicides and do a thousand push-ups or until Malcolm Perry says it's okay, coach, because benching that kid was arguably the biggest mistake he's ever made. Uh he is so dynamic and so electric with the ball. Even in the most predictable offense in the history of football, he is still hard to take down. This is an army team that runs the exact same offense, and he still went for a program record 300-plus yards. or two, I can't remember what the total was. At least 250, I know. Maybe 300. But he had a monster game, like you said. Army won three in a row. We're back to Navy with a win. 
so good for the Navy seniors that they at least get a win in this. Uh, but it has been utter domination. I mean, since the turn of the century, basically, Navy's only lost those three games. Yeah. I mean, Michigan ruined the Army football program. They did. Keep coming, keep coming back to it. I will. It's, uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that till the, till the very <laughs> end. Um, Army did have some quarterback injuries and issues. Uh, they had the better of the two uniforms. As we've seen now, the jerseys are pretty great. I, I look forward to the Army-Navy game jersey reveal probably more than I should and more than most games in the college football season because of you know, the historic aspect and, and all that. But the Army jerseys were very nice this year. Navy's helmets weren't great, but the I liked the uniforms. They looked like classic and simple, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, they were... They were both solid. They were just like, fine. Yeah, they, they got the job done. Right, we, we knew we knew who the teams were. We did. Um, yeah, so it's really it for college football right now. We'll uh, we'll start to get into some of the lower level bowls this weekend, and then of course ramping up all the way up until the last weekend of December, the start of the playoff, and then the bowls keep going after that. So a lot of lot of football left to be played. Um, but for the rest of the show, we got we got basketball. Um, there is a lot happening. There's too uh, much. They- <laughs> There's honestly too much. I try and take notes during the week, and it just gets to a point where I'm like, when did this happen? This feels like it was two weeks ago because there's just so much going on. But continue. I didn't mean before to- before we get into individual most and least <laughs> impressive. I want to give a simultaneous. Most and least impressive to the entire Big Ten. Yeah. Because we are somehow a Northwestern victory over Michigan State this week away from the entire conference being one and one with exactly zero road wins. We were It's not we out of the looking, question. I'm not I'm gonna say it right now. I mean <laughs> stranger like I, I thought it was a pretty safe bet that Purdue would win at Nebraska. Yeah. And Ohio State would win at Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they both got smoked. Yep. So I am I am not going to uh, to write off Chris Collins just yet. This could in this, in this in this one game could this be the win that gets him back into the the, the front seat of the uh, next Duke coach hire? Get a get him another ten year extension. Yes. From, from this one victory, or at least a great meme. Like let's let's get some more floor slapping in there. Imagine how people would forget about that Merrimack loss. I, I would hope they wouldn't. I, I would hope it would just turn <laughs> they into... They won't with like, us. I was going to say, it would just turn into Merrimack has a transit of victory over Michigan State. Right. And then all the teams Merrimack has lost to, but are yes. also not good. Um, yeah, but that that's just what I wanted to start with. The Big Ten is just <laughs> on one right now. Um, there There are good teams, but they're just not really playing like it in conference just yet, um, despite some good things that happen out of conference. Um, so, I mean, if everyone just goes 10 and 10 with zero red wins, that'd be so that'll, much fun. Uh, that'll be amazing. The tiebreaker? Are... Imagine try- being oh the guy that God. has to figure that out. Uh, imagine, <laughs> imagine being the guy at the water cooler who doesn't, who doesn't know the tiebreak standings. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I wanted to start with. Uh, do, you, do you have some? I do as well, but I will I will see the floor if you have any individual most impressive teams. 
Yeah, uh, we'll start. Let's start with the positive because there's a lot of negative that I've got. Oh, a lot of negative. Always, always use more negative. Um, I will give overall most impressive. I'm gonna go with our team, the Zags, Gonzaga, getting a road win at Arizona, continuing their reign of dominance over the Pac-12. Uh, so when they win the WCC this year, they should also get a Pac-12. They should get the automatic bid from the Pac-12 as well. So then it's only at-large teams coming out of that league. But win at Arizona by four. This is a good Arizona team. Um, They got some stuff to figure out offensively. Certainly not stout defensively, but I don't think Sean Miller has had a team at Arizona that's truly been a defensive stalwart. So, you know, that's that's not what we're expecting here. The guard play, Admin Gilder has been awesome for Gonzaga, and he played a decent role at Texas Tech. Nothing crazy because they just had – really good big men during his early years there, but they, uh, they've really turned it on and he, or he really turned it on and has helped this Gonzaga team to where they are now. Number two in the country. I think they should have been number one given resume and, and things like that. But number two is okay. I guess. I, I also think that, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to be number one. Yeah, I agree. How, given how precarious that like you're Ohio getting State. into my least impressive. <laughs> Ohio State lost just to avoid becoming number one, mm-hmm. which just ultimate Galaxy chess brain. not checkers. Yep. Yeah. Um, you'd love to see. It. I mean, the first question with this game is why the hell was Walton not on it? And they oh, yeah. Shitty ass UCLA Notre Dame. Like, that was, that was a waste. But Mike Bray probably yeah, paid him extra. Yeah. And the, or he was just going, going giddy overseeing UCLA, but then forgot right. that McCronin coaches there. <laughs> so they're, they're not good. Um, yeah, like that was, that was the biggest question mark coming into the year. Brand new backcourt for Gonzaga, two transfers, starting lineup. Um, and I mean, they they've they fit together pretty seamlessly. Obviously, like we we don't have we don't have the tapes for Gonzaga, Michigan. Like that mm-hmm. game basically never happened. So right. we'll, we'll we'll really never know what went down in the uh, in the Bahamas. Um, is that is that remotely close to the Bermuda Triangle? Can we? You uh, said, you know, a rounding error got 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 lost forever. Um, especially how Michigan has played since then. It, it just I, I almost get upset when I think about it. But yeah, like they they've been great. Um, Petrusev has really taken a leap this year. Killian Tilly is. I don't think he's ever going to be the player he once was pre-injury, which makes me sad because he used to be so dominating and. At times, he's kind of taking a backseat role um, just in the front court, but he's still a solid player. Kispert has been uh, has been kind of improving steadily season by season and scoring a lot more this year now that you know he is the most experienced guy in the Gonzaga program on the perimeter. Um, yeah, lots of likes. Still have Mark Few, and uh, they they still have a solid solid group of bench guys. So like this is. This is the the toughest part of their schedule. Um, even as WCC guys, that is true. They they're going to be um, a little little rested with the the lack of competition that that some of these other teams will face. But I mean, these are these are big wins. They're getting over Washington, over Arizona. Um, depending on how you feel about Oregon, arguably the two best teams in the Pac-12 this year. And I mean, to to get those wins on the road as yeah. well is extremely impressive that was the biggest point i was going to add is true road wins those are like 
top of the top of the top quad one wins that you can get as you yeah. know now as the net is officially out and we've got to start going by quad one quad two wins and all that nonsense but that's what it's all about heck of heck of wins for uh the zags so i had to give them my overall number one but there are i don't know five other teams i've got listed including Texas Tech. I figured this is a good yeah. transition because they took down number one at Madison Square Garden, seventy to fifty-seven over Louisville. Um, Pretty sure they're losing to Southern Miss. Like they right are. As we're recording this too. They were down like <laughs> ten. It's, it's, all, it's all cyclical. It's. I mean, anarchy. No, just college basketball. CC. John Rothstein. Yeah, if you, if you ever buy one of those shirts, consider Never. our friendship only. Never. <laughs> Absolutely not going to happen. He made a Kevin Willard one, and I he. I mean, he's like my tri- mind. He's like tripling down. He is. They're like, it started off with just like words on different colored shirts. Now he's getting into the graphics with all the various coaches. Image and likeness. Like, like yeah. Tough. Fi- finally, finally, coaches can make money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've been waiting for this day. Texas Tech is tied currently. Okay, uh, so they yeah, so they'll probably end up winning. They were down seven at the half, but anyways, get a huge win over Louisville without Jamias Ramsey, their best player. Chris Clark had a great game. Um, the guard play is still like a little all over the place because Moretti just isn't a scoring guy. He's more of a spot up shooter and distributor, and they need him to play that role. When Ramsey gets back, he'll be able to do that more. So they look. Decent, like the defense is always going to be there for Texas Tech. It's just when can they get the offense? And then on Louisville, the flip side, not that they're, they're not on my least impressive or anything, but I just wanted to make a note of them after I called them the most complete team in the country last week. Uh, if it's hard to win when your best player doesn't play well and couple that with poor shooting just in general and you're not going to win any games. That's exactly what Louisville had. And they went up against a really good defensive team. I think most complete team is also a designation that'll probably change week to week. Yeah. Like Texas Tech, this was honestly day to day at this point. Yeah, true. Um, in Texas Tech, this is kind of what people were expecting. Everyone who had them inside the top 15 preseason, they, they lost a lot of individual talent. And Chris Clark is a guy who, you know, was, was, not quite as hyped as Kerry Blackshear coming out of Virginia Tech, but he's still a very good acquisition um, on the transfer market. We kind of expected we'd hear more of him to this point than we have, so it was good to see a very good game against the top-tier opponents mm-hmm. um, in Louisville. And, I mean, for the most part, they made Louisville look how Louisville made Michigan look um, and just yeah. very very out of sorts for a lot of the game offensively. And, yeah, th- this is how they're they're going to have to – kind of try to challenge in the big 12 this year because i mean they're not going to be able to match up with a kansas on you know individual talent level but chris beard is going to be able to scheme defensively to kind of neutralize any of the the big guns that they're going to go up against so and i would agree very big win for texas tech after kind of a a rough week and a half couple weeks um including the the transitive loss to buffalo but yeah, they're uh, back turning in the right direction. Definitely. And, I mean, again, <clears throat> Jemias Ramsey's going to be healthy soon. The best thing yeah. they did was not force him to play and end up winning that game. I mean, you lose that game, you have a built-in excuse of, well, our best player who averages 18 points a game isn't on the floor. Now you win it without him, you're you're cooking. You're, you're ready to yeah. roll. That team's got, you know, some confidence, and uh, everyone's happy about it. Oregon, 
going on the road winning at Michigan. Although I guess it shouldn't be a most impressive because Michigan was shooting like three of twenty six to start the game, something absurd. They were in single digits still until counts. like four minutes left in the first half, and they still uh, forced overtime. So gritty win for the Ducks wasn't their best game, but certainly a really good first half. Yeah, it's they definitely one they they kind of needed for the collective Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at what they've done now, and I mean they they've had some opportunities against uh, like top ten teams, I guess at the time. Um, and big missed opportunity now with with how the program is standing um, when they lost to North Carolina in the Bahamas. Right. Um, talk about something least impressive. Yeah. But, but oh yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this was really needed, um, especially as we talk about the the other elite Pac-12 teams failing to capitalize at home against Gonzaga. Um, so I mean, I yeah can't really fault the Ducks here. Um, him credit for for playing solid defense and I mean forcing Michigan to be uncomfortable but at the same time I think this is going to be a kind of a, a recurring theme for Michigan all year like they can be a good basketball team but when they are struggling to find the offense it is going to be a big time eyesore yeah they are uh, like it was last year a lot of the time too honestly they're a better offensive Virginia like <clears throat> excuse me they're not the extreme, their extreme in terms of uh, their gameplay is bad offense, where Virginia's is like elite defense that slows the game down and makes it hard to watch. This is like Virginia doesn't have a good as good an offense as Michigan. Obviously, Michigan doesn't have as good defense as Virginia, but it melds itself together. Where if uh, Michigan's having a bad offensive game, it's very similar to a Virginia game where you're just like, "What the hell am I watching?" Well, yeah, and. I mean the 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 worst thing about Virginia is is always going to be pace, and mm-hmm. Michigan is still averaging about ten more possessions a game, so they're not quite there. Just they're they can really it can be feel like it. just bad offensively. <laughs> That's that makes up the difference, which could even be worse at times. Yeah. <laughs> um. And another most impressive. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Penn State. My guys, and ranked for the first time in twenty four years. Um. This same season that Indiana football breaks their uh, their streak, so once again the curse is over. Have to, I mean they, they are they are kindred spirits. They um, are across the line. Struggle with attendance, just heartbreaking losses <laughs> at, at every turn. So I mean it's it's good to see that that happens so soon after you know. I mean honestly, an absolute shit pump in by Ohio State. So quick quick turnaround there. Um, they have the the win over Maryland to their credit now. Um, to be fair, they almost threw it away against Alabama, but they held on. Yeah. And that's, and Alabama is a team that's, I mean, they're, they're starting slower than, than I would have thought. And I guess once SEC season starts, they'll hopefully be more put together mm-hmm. under NATO. It's in year one. Um, but that, that is a team I, I think is a sleeper in the SEC. They're, Kind of struggling to to put it all together. Don't even have a winning record, but still a power six win for Penn State. Um, so I mean, they're they're not going to be too picky there. Shout out to my guy, Chat Pambers. Huge, huge win for something. us for us Penn State people. <laughs> uh, I also had Illinois also uh, getting a win over Michigan. It, you know, Kofi Coburn's a pretty darn good player, and he he throws a heck of a punch. So. Watch. I mean, I yeah, 
I I only learned from watching Titus or listening to Titus and Tate the other day that it's not pronounced Cockburn, and that is yeah, just the. I was talking uh, to some of my Illinois friends on Saturday. It's like that is clearly the most bullshit revisionist history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so you... someone someone uh, in in generations past, perhaps, um, just making the executive decision to make that change. It's like that's. Can it, someone do like, that to David Duke's family, please? Like, I, please. I don't even know. It. You'll figure it out. It's, it's still, it's still spelled the same way. Like you're, you're kind of, you're, you're in a box there. But Coburn I mean, is also yes. spelled Cockburn, though. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, it's yes, like yes, I there's, a, there's there's no there's no other bad Kofi Cockburn. That's true. Um, yeah, David Duke definitely should have gone by a middle name, but yeah, um, or Dave, but yeah. Anyway. Um, Illinois could like if the Big Ten wasn't just insistent upon cannibalizing itself, they're very close to being the top of the heap with a road win over Maryland and a win over Michigan. Yeah, obviously they spit up over themselves against Maryland, but to not completely lose their mind to come back at home um, and play a good game and beating a good Michigan team and part part of the like indication the big town is set on cannibalizing itself is like some of these upsets aren't technically upsets like they were favored over michigan penn state was favored over maryland mm-hmm. uh kind of kind of trap lines to the general public but that's that's just kind of how it's going to be in the the big Ten. obviously not every single game but so far like home court advantage is big and that's why tying it all together and you, you see a team go out of conference on the road as Gonzaga has two really good road wins, like that carries to March and whoever don't know who it's going to be. It might be Michigan state. Um, whoever figures it out in the big 10 and can string together some quality road wins like that is, that is going to be not only great confidence booster for, for your team, but also when the committee is looking back on, on everybody's resumes and schedules, it is, it's a pretty good indication of a, a good basketball team is can you win away from your safe haven? Can mm-hmm. you win in a hostile environment? Um, I mean, that, that shows maturity and, I mean, ability to, you know, play your game anywhere. Right. The carrying over of your tempo, your style, whatever it may be, however you win the game. It honestly doesn't matter stylistically how it's done as long as you get the points in because, you know, looking at a game in November and March – revisionist history will always say oh you know this was a very impressive win or this you know, this that the other to make the winning team look better yeah um so figuring out a way especially early on you know as teams are still figuring it out these january conference games are so crucial because if you can string together like you said two three four wins all of a sudden you've got yourself a little breathing room you've got yourself you know some marquee games some resume boosters and that, that sets you up for an easier february and march You've already beaten these teams. You've got the confidence. You believe in yourself, you know, especially if it's on the road. We've already beaten them there. Why can't we come home and do it? You know, it's it's one of those easier said than done things. But, it, you know, the, the start to conference play is so crucial. It's it's always nice to play with house money a little bit. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> any, uh, any more most impressive for you? Just Memphis winning on the road at Tennessee. Thompson Bowling's a tough place to play. Held the Vols under fifty, and still no James Weissman, no problem. They they are looking pretty decent. I'm pretty sure Lester, I can't ever pronounce his last name. Kinonis, 
I don't know. For, former Indiana target, I should know. Yeah, but I, I've, I, I've literally only seen it written. I so think I can I spell it. I don't think I can say it. But yeah. Lester Q, I think he was out for that game as well because he's he's been dealing with a couple injuries this year. But Precious Sachua has been really good. They've they've got a couple solid players still on that team. People forget this was the yeah. number one recruiting class. No, they're 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 still a good team without Wiseman. Right. They're just not. Like Flashy. national championship, yeah. final four aspirations, good. It um, could be, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't, I don't think without him, uh, it's very realistic. But to your point, same thing about Texas Tech: the fact that you can win this game and this one being a true road game without you know your best player, one of the best players in the country, is very telling. And that's that's credits to to Penny Hardaway and staff, and I mean the rest of the roster. And this is something that. People should, assuming Tennessee doesn't go in complete freefall for the rest of the year, right. people should look back in March very favorably at. Mm-hmm. That's all the most impressive. I had. All six of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was it. The uh, It kind of went under the radar, too, that Memphis win at Tennessee. I mean, I, had, I hammered him plus six, so right. I was <laughs> all about it. Um, couple couple of the same least impressive for me, like UNC... Yeah, obviously dumpster fire at this point. You're going to be without Cole Anthony for any significant amount of time. Woof, because he has been the only guy all year who can create a shot, create offense on mm-hmm. his own. And I mean, he he's miss he's going to miss some time. You've had Leaky Black, which is just all time name, first yep. of all, but he's missed some time. Baycott's missed some time. Uh, so it's. It's a struggle to to find anything, you know, any anything resembling cohesiveness with the team. And I mean, even when everyone's played, it's been ugly. So if you're missing Cole Anthony, like, are are we just is every North Carolina game just going to be Virginia offensively? It's unwatchable, honestly. They are just not a good basketball team. Even I mean, even at points with Cole Anthony on the floor, they're not a good basketball team. Right. The offense is. I mean. M- massively under like they they just can't figure it out and they've guys capable of scoring certainly not to the extent that they're used to they have enough guys that it feels like they should be able to do something anything offensively and they are not figuring it out i think roy needs to get them out in transition more like they need to play basically the uh the swack style of run and gun you know 80 possessions 90 possessions a game get as many shots up as you can once the shot clock hits 26, if we've still got the ball in our hands, it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, they're they're playing at a decent pace, but they're, they're barely clinging on to a top 50 offense. And a lot of times it just looks like it's a lot of guys in, being put in positions that they're not comfortable in, yeah. in being, whether that's just literally on the court or within the makeup of the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know. I I don't – if if I was just a, a general college basketball fan, I would – Hope to be optimistic that that Roy Williams could figure it out given his track record, but he's never really had a team like this. Yeah, this is like he. There have always been um, when when he's had his best North Carolina teams. There's always been a pretty, I mean, deep stable of of veteran guys. And last year's team was was absolutely like that. Obviously, the championship team, one of the the best college basketball teams in recent memory, the uh, the Tyler Hansborough Championship was was loaded with returning players who basically came back that year just to win a title. Mm-hmm. Mass exodus after this past year, 
did everything they they thought they could to, to plug up the holes. But as, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, as we're seeing every time they step out, it's just it's a lot of pieces that just don't really go together. And when you take away the the one guy who can give you consistent offense, it's it's making an ugly situation even uglier. It's uh, I I don't I don't have too much more to add. Just it's not going to be pretty. It's really I mean, not. It's, I'm not looking forward to North Carolina basketball. Definition of a tough scene: start hammering the unders. Yes. Um, on the same, on the same, uh, in the same vein, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Three losers of three out of four. Um, we, we talked about the two teams that beat them already. Yep. Um, but yeah, they're they're one of those teams where when they beat you, it's not always going to be pretty. But when a team comes in and, and really controls the game against them. They really look bad. Yeah. And, I mean, this is still a team that has some very good wins. Um, throttling North Carolina at full strength, I think, still qualifies as an impressive win. Certainly. Certainly, certainly beating Gonzaga um, does, but... Allegedly they have, beating Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, it's... So, someone will try to dig up some breeder <laughs> film at some point, but until until that comes, I can I can claim blissful ignorance. Um since they, they've done the opposite of a Bahamas bump, they have not used the momentum at all. And you can excuse away the the true road loss to Louisville to an extent, even though they looked very, very bad in that game, especially mm-hmm. offensively. But, I mean, not not really being competitive for a lot of the game before making a small push against Illinois. And then, just like you said, coming out of the gate so atrociously against Oregon does not inspire a ton of confidence but best thing you can say for them right now is everyone else in the big 10 is losing too so a a loss to illinois does not really hurt you as much as it might have otherwise it doesn't and wagner is still starting to get on track like he had a decent second half against oregon which is something they can build on like when xavier simpson is basically looked at as your top offensive guy in a game it's not good and he was getting absolutely destroyed by Peyton Pritchard late in the second half and overtime off the dribble. I mean, it it was seemingly every possession that Oregon needed a bucket, they would just isolate. And Simpson's a pretty good defender, but he was just getting bullied by Peyton Pritchard going into the lane and just getting an easy layup basically every single time. I mean, it was three or four straight possessions. So they pride themselves defensively, and they just didn't seem to even have that, or at least to an extent, on uh, Saturday when, when they lost to Oregon. But it's it's one of those teams, not nearly to the extent of a Virginia, but where if the shots aren't falling, it's going to be a tough game for them. They are certainly three-point ha- happy, um, but they do have enough talent that should overcome that on most nights. And we've just seen them fail to do it on a couple here. Yeah, I think Wagner is probably going to end up being – you know, their, their go-to guy offensively because you should, if not who, essentially, and that that's you can't, that's kind of his yeah his you can't pedigree run John coming Teske. into the year, right? It, and it's like like we were talking about in the preseason, they have they have recognizable names, they have solid um, pieces, but like John Teske is not going to be go-to offensive guy for should he you know be. like a top five, top ten team. Yeah, that's. Like That's Isaiah Livers, and... in theory, should be that guy. But as we saw, he, he shot, what, like 0 of 12 to start the game? I mean, yeah. he was terrible. If he's off, he's off. Yeah. Like, pretty pretty dang streaky. Um, 
and that is at times contagious to the rest of the Wolverines, mm-hmm. um, as we saw. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's going to be something to monitor. Um, I I think that they're still going to have a, a pretty solid season, end up as a a three or four seed, and have a an uninspiring tournament run. But it, it's it's just going to be like. If if the last couple weeks are any indication, it's going to be some some rather bland looking basketball um, that mm-hmm. is is what haters of college basketball will point to. It's like you like this, right. it's like no, not like not this specifically. I don't but like I, this. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I I will never. I will never make someone watch like a Michigan Virginia game with me, Clockwork Orange style. But like there are other aspects of. Uh, college basketball, I enjoy mm-hmm. certainly. So, uh, slightly in the same vein as both of these teams, I guess. Bad offense. I'm gonna throw my own team, Seton Hall, under the bus here. I didn't want to. Um, yeah. So, 48 points in a rivalry game. Not scoring for the first five minutes. Starting the game two of 20. All bad things. Believe it or not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, the second our second best player is hurt. He's out eight weeks, broken wrist, been there. He'll be back, you know, late January, whenever. That's that's fine. My biggest qualm is Kevin Willard, the last two games, they have put up sub twenty five points in the first half of each. He has had nine and six days respectively to prepare his team for these games. Sure, he deserves a little benefit of the doubt, the fact that Miles Powell had a nasty concussion to the point where he asked, why are we practicing at Rutgers in a in-game huddle? Uh, yeah, that's not good. But no. even so, this is a Division One basketball team. They should have enough talent to be able to score. Outside of him, they scored 42 points in this entire game. They lost 68 to 48, 68 to 42 if you take out Powell's six, which I can't even believe he scored in that game fully concussed. It's not danger time because, like I said, you've got two two of your better players and, you know, a, a top five candidate for national player of the year out right now. But it's certainly something to worry about when the, the supporting cast was the biggest question mark because we know Powell's going to do his thing and get his. What is the supporting cast doing? Like, what can they do? What is... This is time to coach, not time to sit around and try and chase records for your star player who at this point is not going to be able to catch the records that they want him to. So now it's about the team. Uh, I think this is actually a decent spot to be. Six and four isn't terrible. Obviously, I would have loved to have closed out Oregon or Michigan State because if you do that, seven and three looks a whole hell of a lot better with a win over a top 10 team. Here we are. Maryland comes to town this week, so there's plenty to fix, but... The offense has been woeful. Um, there, there hasn't even been really offensive sets run. Defense still looks decent, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to watch. I mean, there, there were points where I just didn't want to be there anymore, and there meaning my living room on Earth anywhere watching this team. It felt like a bad Virginia game. Yeah, and like taking all that into account, and taking into account the fact that. Rutger is likely improved this year. the The optics of getting blown out by Rutger are still not super great. So I and the rivalry I under, is I like that. historically close. Twenty two, twenty one, or twenty two of the last twenty five meetings were decided by six or less points. And this is like the biggest margin of victory Rutgers has ever had in the series. I'd All bad. That. I mean, 
took, yeah, it took, took a lot going their way for that to happen. Um, yeah. certainly, but they, yeah. I mean, it, when you take all that into account, they should have won by 30 or 40 <laughs> and they, t- they did not. It's a good spin zone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have, you have a potential get right game against, as we know, a vulnerable Maryland team, especially playing away from home. So mm-hmm. going to be a big crowd. So hopefully that'll help, but I don't think Powell's playing. He should be out with a con- like concussion protocol or whatever. So next man up. <laughs> here, yeah. here, it could be an ugly, ugly game because Maryland is also susceptible to those. Yeah. I mean, Maryland lost to, you know, Penn State and a lifeless Bryce Jordan Center. So they did. And, uh, Toughest place to play. I mean, at times it can be. It's <laughs> they're, they're good for like one one top ten win in, in court stormy year. It mm-hmm. seems like. Uh, I'll, I'll throw Purdue under the bus if you didn't want to do it. I know you wanted to, though. I did. It it was uh, it brought it brought a lot of joy to my heart for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, it's Purdue, mm-hmm. and it it makes Indiana like hell of a lot better that they struggled mightily to put away Nebraska at home when Nebraska is widely seen as the worst team in the conference, and literally no Big Ten team has lost a conference game at home. Yep. Um, so to, to see them come out and control a lot of the game, obviously, um, Harms was a little banged up, but that's, uh, yeah, tough visual for Purdue and tougher visual for the team that they beat by 29 Virginia. Yeah. Um, love, would love to see this, uh, this group of cast offs for, for Nebraska, just body bag, Tony Bennett and company. That would, that would be hilarious to me. If they somehow like, Basically, lose out the rest of the year, win the Big Ten tournament, get a 16 seed or 15 seed. Well, Virginia's not going to be that highly seeded this year, I hope. But whatever they have to be to, we'll to find be out. Fr- yeah, uh, famous last words. Um, yeah, that would that would be great. But that was that that was, that was really the the sign that, and of course, Minnesota beating Ohio State. It's like seriously, no one can win on the road. Apparently not. I mean, it's even tougher because of the teams that have already gone into Nebraska and beaten the Cornhuskers. Right. The mighty Thunderbirds of Southern Utah. Yeah. Well, you could, I mean, if you're, if you're Matt Panner and I, I like, I would, I didn't, I didn't read any post game comments, but I doubt he said this because people would have dunked on him, but like some, some form of, you know, well, we just, we just caught him at a bad time. Didn't, didn't get to play them. First couple of games of the season where literally no, no two guys on the roster had played together before, which right. is unbelievable. Um, so in retrospect, that's almost a little understandable if there wasn't such a massive talent gap between Nebraska and Southern Utah and Nebraska and UC Riverside. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're, but they're, there is. they're, they're, they're jelling a little bit. Um, if you want to say a nice thing about Fred Hoiberg's program, they they took Indiana to the limit, and I mean it was just an atrocious game, but they did it, um, and then beat Purdue pretty handily at home. So that's that's a decent start to conference season, and I mean it's like the cliche: it's kind of starting the season over, especially Big Ten. You have twenty twenty games in the conference season; it's a it's a bit of a grind. So you know, a team like Nebraska, who really struggled starting the season kind of a chance to hit the reset button and mm-hmm. so far that they're, they're taking advantage of it but they nebraska is really the program that is known for overachieving early in the conference season and then you just stop hearing from them 
Classic Tim Miles, who is now in the yeah. BTN studios. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah, I had to listen to his halftime nonsense during uh, that beatdown I watched on Saturday, so that was not fun. Oh, I'm sure it was. Uh, I should have gone directly to Wisconsin because they have not won at Rutgers since joining the Big Ten. They are 0-3 at the rack. Um, they lost again this week by seven in a game that was cl- kind of close. Um, Geo Baker was dominant, though. I don't. I mean, Wisconsin's just not very good. Yeah, they're not. Um, the, <laughs> just but not good. We, they like that. That was the thing that ruined a uh, a chance of a perfect Big Ten season in their uh, national championship yeah. runner-up year was just losing at Rutger, which by five. Yeah, I mean, I the the spread in that game was still pretty massive, even yeah. even being on the road. Um, yeah, you just can't figure it out. Um, I I am still looking for answers why why Indiana got boat raced by them, other than the fact that like Wisconsin in Piscataway, Indiana just will never win in Madison again. Um, almost my entire lifetime, honestly. Seen Hall and um, uh, Villanova, we haven't won since like '93. Yeah, in, in your defense, Villanova is pretty good. They are. Wisconsin, Wisconsin does not have the same excuse playing at, at Rutgers and, and facing those demons. I don't know. Some of the '90s Villanova teams weren't great. True, true, true. Um, yeah, Wisconsin, like the the Indiana game was an absolute anomaly because other than that, coming into it, they have just been. Putrid offensively, struggling against the likes of, of Richmond too, and New Mexico. Marquette was, yeah, Marquette was a good win. Um, yeah. That kind of looked like, I don't know, maybe Wisconsin can can kind of make some noise in, in a season where not much is expected with them. Year one post Ethan Happ, right? But since then, they've largely reverted to you know the the team that they were before, and that's you know very much struggling to score and also playing at you know, a snail's pace for most of the game. They're they're only a handful of runs above Virginia in that category. And, you know, for as much as I like to shit on Virginia, they still have significantly more talent than the Badgers do. So mm-hmm. they're able to, to get away with stuff sometimes. And unless Wisconsin is, is shooting lights out, which has only happened in one of their 10 games this year, it's, it's going to be a struggle offensively. And... I mean, Greg Gard, I, I just really have never thought as a good coach in general, um, especially once he stopped having Bo Ryan's guys and continued to recruit at a MAC level. Um, it, it could be a, uh, a long season in Madison. Greg Gard, silent assassin. Just doesn't make sense. Like it, it never, it never has. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they're hard to watch because their whole game is. Spread the floor. Don't use your six ten big man inside, and then like post up Brad Davison for a fadeaway twelve footer miss, and then hope to come down on the other end and take a charge and like rinse repeat. That's the whole offense. Yeah. Well, the the swing offense was always so fun to watch because you you would have five guys who could literally play any position on the court, mm-hmm. and they're still trying to do that, but they have guys who are pretty set in what position they play, like. We're not we're not seeing the versatility of you know a, a Sam Decker out there um, or like, a, a Jordan Taylor any of these guys who have yeah. come for him like it's it's trying to run the same thing but just you don't have the the personnel really Kobe King's uh, to get, good to but get he's away not with it. that guy yeah 
you know, Brevin so. Pritzel can only do so much off the bench as like a six-two guard. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, it, yeah. Even somebody like Josh, Josh Gasser would would still be able to to take people in the post, but like they don't they don't have any guards like that on their current roster. Right. Like it's it's expecting too much. So I don't know. Uh, the last team I had was Xavier. You cannot, and I cannot emphasize this enough, you cannot lose to Wake Forest. Childress is very good, and that is it. That is all Wake Forest has. That's it. And Xavier returns four very good seniors. Quentin Gooden is having just a terrible, terrible season. But Tyreek Jones, Najee Marshall, and Paul Scruggs are all playing well. Scruggs dropped 30 in this game. It's like, come on. You've got way more talent than Wake Forest does. Your starting five is infinitely better than them. You can't be in this game in the first place. This should this should have been a double-digit win, easy. You know, take away a Power 6 road win, uh, go home, back to Xavier, 9 or 10 and 1, whatever they would have been, and uh, prep prep for their, their big weekend coming up. But no, instead, they lose by two. Another valiant comeback late, but... It, it's been the same old story for Xavier. They cannot find offense consistently. And that doesn't mean like a consistent scorer. It just means not playing iso ball for long stretches of time and running offense. That, it's, every game, they just divert into iso ball. And, and whoever's hot is going to keep going. Yeah, I mean, like, they already won the their national championship by beating Cincinnati in the game before. Mm-hmm. So part of me wants to think... This was just a, a letdown game that had to be coming, but like you, you still have certain guys on your roster still playing well. It's just not not a total team effort, and and part of that is is kind of what you're saying. But yeah, this is I, I doubt it was at the time. Like even a a top hundred loss, Wake is into the nineties now. But like no. the, <laughs> the, the 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 prevailing theme today is just how how hard it is to win on the road even when everything basketball tells you it should not be right it like talent should it feels like i'm gonna say i'm gonna use air quotes you can't see it (laughs) fox can but no one else can see it i'm gonna use air quotes talent should outweigh a home court advantage unless you're playing at like some of the toughest venues in the country like a Cameron Indoor or something along those lines even though i guess it's kind of lost its luster this year with Stephen f austin going and winning but you get my point. Like certain places are significantly harder to play at than others. Wake Forest is not one of those places, and that is where the talent disparity should show up very clearly and very easily, and it just hasn't. The other caveat I would add there: if you're going to an extremely like notorious hostile environment like Cameron Indoor, or if you are a you are an extremely young team, and it is literally the first time for yeah. a lot of the guys going into a road environment. Which, as we've established, Xavier is not that. Right, right. So, yeah. 0 for 2 there, Travis Steele. Man. He looked so cool, too, dropping that $1,000 with his six-year-old <laughs> kid mean, at the bar. Still cool. But it is. Yeah, you would, you'd hope they would at least win the next, like, one in a row after that. So right. people like us don't immediately think back to that. T- too soon. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but, yeah, th- I... It was a bad week for the biggies. Bad, bad. I was bad. Week. I was gonna say, um, just because I, I had Seton Hall's schedule pulled up, and I see now there are only two ranked teams and none in the the top fifteen. Are we are we worried about the Big East yet? No, because I think it's deeper than we expected. We thought uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought it was going to be 
Villanova and Seton Hall with like Xavier trailing slightly behind and then the cluster of basically everyone but St. John's fighting for the fourth spot. And now St. John's looks okay. I'm not going to put them up there. But DePaul looks like a bona fide team that could that could compete at the top. Butler a lot better than Butler Utah, looks a lot better. Uh, Creighton looks good even without basically any big men left on the roster. Um, but yeah, Villanova still looks a little shaky. Marquette's going to be around. Georgetown, I mean, shout out to the Hoyas. Three wins with like seven scholarship players now. Um, but Providence is now basically taking that St. John's spot of like, what the hell? They are, they're bad this year, or they're struggling at least. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be, it's not going to be like last season, I don't think, where it cannibalizes itself and you've got Villanova at like 14 and four winning the league with seven teams at nine and nine. But it certainly feels like 12 and six or even 11 and seven can win the league this year. Yeah, and Villanova could be the next team to knock off number one team. But yeah. the biggest thing working against them is that they're ranked. So yeah. that, that that could be the fact. And then, uh, of course, Butler, a big opportunity in the Crossroads Classic to get a, a win over Purdue, um, despite the fact that Purdue just lost to Nebraska. That I think that would still count as a, uh, as a pretty good win, especially yep. neutral site. Um, yeah, so I mean... Still wins there to be had before we, we get into the thick of conference season where, you know, good wins will be had, but sometimes it's harder to, I guess, boost the overall stock of, of your league when all you're playing is each other. Right. You got to do your damage early. Otherwise, you're just going yeah, to eat yourself up and people are going to ask, that's, that's, are that's they what really the Pac-12 that good? always struggles with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and both revenue sports. Oh, man. The poor Pac-12. But all right. Uh, go Northwestern is the last thing I have to say. We need it. We need the I, win. Yeah, I don't. They don't even. They don't even release spreads this early, so I don't. I don't know what it is yet. But they will. They will be get almost certainly be getting points. They. They have to be. Yeah. Like I. I know. Like it's worth sprinkling on the money line, though. I'd say. Yeah. Oh, I. I won't. <laughs> but I would not. I would. I would not. I would not be opposed to people doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, no, no football till till Saturday. We got a we got a busy week of of college basketball betting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back into the swing of things fully now, which is always thrilling because there are so many more college basketball <laughs> <Yes>. teams. <laughs> Texas Tech held on by six, by the way. All right, all right. So we we motivated them. Um, but I mean, common opponent with Seton Hall, who Seton Hall absolutely hammered. So. Makes us look good. Gotta be, yeah, gotta be feeling pretty. Blind good resume yourself. test. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, any more least impressive teams for you, or is that that's all? That's, I all, we're, that's all we're going through this week. Yeah, okay. it's fair. Let let some people off the hook. Um, but yeah, like whatever we're preparing for the show, my my initial inklings are always like these teams have sucked more so than these teams have really impressed me. Right, and I I think that's just the kind of season we're in for. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it feels Um, like we can obviously make the stretch much like I had Illinois and Oregon as most impressive teams for beating Michigan, who I had as the least impressive team. Yeah. Like you can make the argument. Yeah. You can make the argument, but it's, it's going to be one of those seasons where you're going to be struggling to find impressive teams. It's good though. I like it. Um, it, it honestly does bode well for the Zags. Mm -hmm. Um, from being completely honest, so selfishly, I do I do like that a lot. Um, 
trying to extend the longest active streak of Sweet 16s and then some. People forget. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's it for this week. Another another big weekend of college basketball. Bowl season will start, and uh, we will see you next week to talk about it.